Good morning, friends on social media. It's time for Bible Study Live. And today, what we're going to really wrestle with is, what does it mean to rely on the Lord? People talk about it all the time. Got a problem, give it to God. You're worried about something, give it to God. Rely on the Lord, he'll get you through. But what does that, what does that really mean? How, how can we actually live that out? So what I'm going to wrestle with today as I read through Psalm 27. So let's get going. Hey, good morning and welcome to Bible Study Live with Matt. I'm Matt and today we're going to study the Bible together. Uh, look, this isn't a sermon or teaching. This is me studying, uh, reading through the Bible and just kind of wrestling with stuff out loud. We're not going to agree on everything, uh, but that's okay. We're not going to argue. The whole goal of uh, Bible Study Live, the, the goal of it all is to create conversation without condemnation. I'm going to wrestle through some things in the scripture like I would if I were sitting here doing it on my own without you guys watching. And the whole goal is to, to encourage you to go, man, I, I don't know if Matt's right or not. I want to get in, the, in my Bible. I want to wrestle with this myself. Uh, so while we won't always agree on everything, um, we won't fight about it. We won't argue about it. Um, but uh, I, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. Uh, get in your Bible. Read through these things on your own. Ask yourself. What does this mean? What is God saying to me? What does God want me to hear through this? Um, I don't think that I'm going to get it right all the time. No pastor ever does. Nobody ever does. Listen, um, we're all carrying the yoke of some teacher who taught us, but I think we're all doing our best to try and take the scriptures and learn what Jesus taught to live the way he taught. Um, but we don't always we don't always nail it. So listen, I'm not not uh, for for anybody who's watching this after or new to Bible Study Live. You know, this isn't uh, me giving a church something. This is me just genuinely digging through my Bible. So um, <clears throat> today uh, we're going to look at Psalm 27, uh, Psalm of David, and uh, we're going to we're going to just wrestle through some things um, regarding what it means to rely on the Lord and see what we can learn from David's words here. Um, I'm going to be reading from the New English Translation. I like uh, some of the excuse me. I like some of the translator footnotes. Um, I just, I, I do that. I, I think they do an amazing job of explaining why they translated things the way that they translated them. That being said, you may be reading from the New International Version, New King James, NLT, uh, the NASB, the Amplified Bible, the Message, all good. Uh, unless you're reading from like the Jehovah's Witness deal or the Mormon deal, uh, which kind of adds some magic that really it doesn't exist and change some wording around. Um, just about all these other translations uh, that I just mentioned, all of them that I just mentioned, use reliable uh, original texts. So there you go. All right. Hey, Debbie Bettendorf, great to see you this morning. Um, okay. So without further ado, we're going to dig in. So let's dig into Psalm 27, Psalm by David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I fear no one. I just want to see what this footnote is. Oh, whom shall I fear? Is the rhetorical question the answer is no one that's why they translated it instead of saying the lord is my light and salvation whom shall i fear the reason that the NAT does it this way is they say because what it really means is i'm not afraid of anyone i love that i love that they break that down uh the lord is my light and my salvation i fear no one the lord protects my life i'm afraid of no one when evil men attack me to devour my flesh i want to say that word really means uh, psalmist compares his enemies to dangerous hungry predators yeah when evil men attack me to devour my flesh when my adversaries and enemies attack me they stumble and fall even when an army is deployed against me i do not fear 
Even when war is imminent, I remain confident. I want to stop right there. Let's just stop with, with this first section. So, you know, we talk about relying on the Lord. What does it mean to rely on, on God? What does it mean to, to rely on anything? Well, let's just look up a good old dictionary.com. And let's look up what it says the meaning of rely is in the English language. It means to depend confidently, to put trust in, okay? So depend to depend on someone, to put our trust in someone, that's a verb. That's an action. Rely is like, it requires taking an action. But the action really, at its simplest form, is choice. As I read through this and I see David go, the Lord is my light, my salvation. I fear no one. David is saying, I'm choosing to believe that God is who he says he is. I'm choosing to believe this. And because I choose to believe God is this, I'm not afraid of anything. Then he says, when evil men attack me, or then he says, the Lord protects my life. I'm afraid of no one. So he chooses to believe God is the reason he's alive, that he chooses to believe that God protects him. And because he chooses to believe that God protects him, it removes the fear he has of other people hurting him. And David had people after him. Seems like all the time. He says, when evil men attack me to devour my flesh, when my adversaries and enemies attack me, they stumble and fall. So David is choosing to believe that, and, and, just FYI, uh, according to the footnote, the Hebrew verbal forms are, are called uh, perfects. And the translation assumes that the psalmist is being general here. He's generalizing. But another option is to take it as like a report of past experience. Like, <clears throat> like in the past when I've been attacked by evil men, they've failed. They've fallen. And if that's the case, I mean, as I read this, I think, well, if it's past tense, if David's speaking that way... Um, if that's the assumption, then it would make sense that he would trust that God protects his life. He would trust that God is, is going to keep him safe. Because in the past, when people have tried to attack him like wild animals, they've failed. So you can see where David's confidence is coming from. He says, even when an army is deployed against me, I'm not afraid. Even when war is imminent, I'm confident. So David, everything that he is sharing here right now up to the end of verse 3, in chapter 27, Psalm 27, up to verse 3, everything David is saying is, if we look at it, is he, he says, I'm, I choose to believe these things about God. And because I choose to believe these things about God, that God is who he says he is, because I choose to believe these things about him, I don't need to be afraid of anything. Because I choose to believe these things about him, I know I'm safe. Now, there are some people out there that just struggle with the idea that, that God will protect them and care for them, especially if they've been hurt and wounded, right? Uh, maybe it's been a, a past relationship where someone was abusive. Maybe it, it, it was growing up in a household where, where you had people um, that went to church, but then they came home and they abused you in some way. That would make things, it, it, I could see how that would make it hard for somebody to say, oh yeah, God protects me. I get it. Uh, as best I can get it. But here's the reality. In spite of David's circumstances, he's choosing to believe that God protects him. And I, I think that there's a lesson to take away from that for me and for, for all of us. 
Let's keep going. Verse four, I have asked the Lord for one thing. This is a good reminder that we can go to God and ask. I've asked him for one thing. This is what I desire. I want to live in the Lord's house all of the days of my life so I can gaze at the splendor of the Lord and contemplate his temple. This probably refers to the tabernacle, if one is accepting that David did author this, so I can gaze at his splendor, beauty, uh, and contemplate his temple. He will surely give me shelter in the day of danger. He will hide me in his home. Tent being the word, I just want to look at surely, for he will. So David is confident, look, when the day of danger comes, which is trouble, when trouble comes my way, God's going to hide me in his tent. So if you were hidden in the tent of, of a king, nobody's coming at you there, right? says, he will place me on an inaccessible rocky summit. Now I will triumph over my enemies who surround me. I love this. <clears throat> so David, first he talks about trusting what God's going to do to protect him. But then it shifts from just being safe to a victory, right? Because even if you're safe, if someone's coming after you, you're the victim of the situation. So David goes from trusting God, but feeling like, hey, I'm the victim. Everybody's coming at me. They're coming after me. I'm the victim here. And then all of a sudden there's this paradigm shift from victim to victor where he says, you know, I will triumph over my enemies who surround me. So what are we relying on God for? We'll just stop really quick from after verse six. Well, number one, we have to make the choice to rely on God as our protector as our protector we that's a conscious choice god i choose to believe you will protect me when danger comes god i choose to believe but then we have to ask ourselves why would we even choose to believe that god would do that i think that's an even bigger better question is okay if i choose to believe that god would protect me though that begs a second question which is why do i believe that god would want to protect me that's a good one i believe that seeing David's confidence that God would protect him should also give us the confidence that God protects what he sees valuable, which means God sees you as valuable. God sees me as valuable. David believed that God saw value in his life, in who he is, and he chose to believe that because God saw value in him, God would protect him and care for him. How different would your outlook on life be if you started the day that way, how, how different would our lives be if we woke up going, yes, I'm here because God says I am valuable. I am alive today and awake today because God sees value in who I am. That's a cool way to start your day. That's a cool feeling. Think on that for a minute. Think about if you looked in the mirror today and said, I'm here today because God says I'm valuable. So valuable that he wants to protect me from the enemy because I'm so precious. He doesn't want me to fall into the hands of the enemy. Man, that's a perspective shift, isn't it? What a beautiful way to think. Let's keep going. <clears throat> and verse 6 continued says this. So first, David says, now I'll triumph over enemies who surround me. David's not saying he's going to triumph in his own strength at all, by the way. He's saying because God sees me as so valuable and so worth protecting, God's going to make sure that no matter what the situation, I come out on top. Why would I come out on top? Because I'm God's. I'm with God and God is with me. That's why. And how's David going to respond? So we see 
here's all the things David believes about God. <clears throat> but then right here, he talks about his response. I will offer sacrifices in his dwelling place and shout for joy. So it's not just a sacrifice. A lot of times people look at sacrifice with the sadness and this weight of sin. But David is talking about, I'm going to joyfully sacrifice to the Lord. I'll sing praises to the Lord. Now today you're not slitting the throat of a goat or a bull. But there's ways to joyfully sacrifice to God whether it's giving with our finances, whether it's giving our time, whether it's going to show love to somebody who needs it, whether it's volunteering somewhere as a way of going, God, you've always taken care of me. Let me, let me go and give of myself for you. Like, wow, cool. He continues, I will sing praises to the Lord. Then David takes an abrupt shift again in verse 7. And this is interesting. Let me just look at this footnote uh, in verse 7. Okay, hear me, hear my voice. Hear me, O Lord, when I cry out. So he just went from going, you're going to protect me. You're going to keep me safe. My life is valuable to you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to I'm going to sac offer sacrifices in your tent, which I, I'm going to do all these things. Yes, God, I'm going to sing your praises. And then it shifts gears. Hear me. Oh Lord, when I cry out, have mercy on me and answer me. Now that might seem weird. It's like, well, how does he go from being joyful to saying that? This is part of why I believe that <clears throat> everything leading up to this is not so much that it is a past tense thing that David's speaking of when he talks about his enemies falling. My contacts have been bothering me this past week. Ugh, I digress. Um, but I believe that it, it is David faithfully choosing to believe these things about God. Yes, he's seen God in action. But I think this is more an example of David going, I'm going to choose to believe all of this about God, and I'm going to worship him and sacrifice to him and shout for joy and sing his praises. Right? It's like he's declaring, I'm going to choose to believe that you see me valuable, and I'm going to, I'm going to live my life in response to that belief. And then he says, it's almost like when I read this, I feel like there should be the word so before hear me. Like, and so, God, I believe all this about you. So hear me, O Lord, when I cry out. Have mercy on me and answer me. I love this. He's, it, the, my heart tells me to pray to you. In Hebrew, it says, concerning you, my heart says, seek my face. Concerning you, my heart says, seek my face. It's like David is saying, I hear you speaking to me and telling me that you want me to come near, that you want me to seek you, that you want me to encounter you, God. I love that. David is so vulnerable here. I love reading that. Here's a king who's made so many mistakes. I mean, mistakes like adultery, murder. <laughs> He's done this. He, he committed adultery and then had her husband killed. Like, what a hot mess David is. And yet, here he is <clears throat> saying, in spite of that, I know you still value me, God. What a life lesson we can take from that. Because how many times in, in our lives have we felt like, even if we know, right, God is a forgiver, God is a redeemer, God loves us. But how many times in our lives have we said, oh, man, my, the things I've done in the past, I am so not worthy. There's no way God could want me. There's no way God would want to use a 
broken vessel like me. Like, there's no way God would want to invest any more effort in me after all I've done. Have you ever felt like that? But what we see here from David is him going, adulterer, killer, but I know you still want me. I know you still find me valuable enough to keep me safe. I know you still love me in spite of those things, God. So hear me when I cry out, have mercy and answer me. My heart tells me to pray to you. And I do pray to you, O Lord. So David's right here. Hey, I know I'm supposed to come close to you, God. I know I'm supposed to seek you. So when I do, let me find you. My heart is telling me, pray to you. So I'm going to, oh Lord, do not reject me. Do not push your servant away in anger. You are my deliverer. Do not forsake or abandon me. Oh God who vindicates me. I love it. Don't push me away. You are my deliverer. Don't forsake me. You're the vindicator. David is, he's saying, hey, here's what I'm asking of you, God. And I know this is who you are. Here's what I'm asking of you, God, because I know this is who you are. Love that. And then David makes such a bold statement here. <clears throat> and it's the translator notes say that this could mean even if or though. They obviously lean toward even if. Kind of like this. He says, even if my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord would take me in would gather me in, would receive me. Kind of like, even if my own parents kicked me out of the house and didn't want me, even if the people that were supposed to love me the most, and I love that example because a, <clears throat> a father and a mother are supposed to be the people who love their children the most, right? Mom and dad are supposed to love their kids the most. And David says, even if the people that are supposed to love me the most abandon me, I know that I could come to you and you would take me in. You would receive me, God. And then what does he say? Because of all these things, because of everything he's chosen to believe about God, because of everything he believes about God's character, he's saying, because I know who you are, because I know how great you are, teach me. Oh, what a prayer we could all have from this. Teach me how you want me to live, Lord. Lead me along a level path. What's a level path mean? It refers to God's moral principles. <clears throat> Psalmist believes if uh, that it'll keep him blameless before his accusers. So teach me how you want me to live, God. Lead me along a level path because of those who wait to ambush me. He's saying, let me live the right way. It's almost like, so even though people launch attacks at me. If I'm living rightly, nobody, nobody will be able to dispute that. Hmm. Do not turn me over to my enemies for false witnesses who want to destroy me, testify against me. David's saying, show me how to live in a way. It seems like David is saying, show me how to live in a way that is so good, God, because there are people waiting to spread lies about, about me to share false testimony against me. There are people waiting to lie about me and destroy me, so don't let me get turned over to them, God. Verse 13, where would I be 
if I did not believe I would experience the Lord's favor in the land of the living. Okay, I'm going to look at this footnote, and then I just want to jump on this. It says, if, if I had not believed, in the Hebrew, this text, the sentence is incomplete. If I had not believed, I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The words, where would I be, are supplied in the translation to clarify the intent of the statement. So the Hebrew statement is, if I had not believed, see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would is what should go there. I love this. Where would I be if I didn't believe I would experience the Lord's favor in the land of the living? Can we talk about the land of the living before we wrap this up? Christians, a lot of times we have an escapism mentality, right? That uh, I'm a Christian so I can get to heaven, so I can go from here to there, so I can escape this life when I'm dead and escape to the good one. But I love what David says here. <laughs> Where would I be if I didn't believe I would experience God's favor right here, right now, in this life, in this life? Where would I be if I didn't? Or is the Hebrew text, if I had not believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living, where would I be? Where would I be? It almost seems like like a call to action. Hey, if you want to experience God's favor in this life, you've got to believe that God wants you to experience his favor. And why do I say that? Because the next thing David says is this, rely on the Lord, be strong and confident, rely on the Lord, rely on the Lord. Be strong and confident. Rely on the Lord. So to sum it up, what does it mean to rely on the Lord? Well, it seems like David is saying it means making the choice to believe that God loves you. God sees value in you so much so that he wants to protect you from your enemies. It, to me, relying on the Lord means trusting him that when we cry out to him, he listens. To me, relying on the Lord means we're going to treat God as though he's already made the decision to protect you and love you. And if you don't believe me that he has, I just want to share one thing with you. You woke up today. You're watching this, which means you're alive. If your life didn't have value, why would it still be going on? It does have value. God sees value in you. Now, that doesn't mean that people's value is over when their life is over. It means they get to go be with God. It means that their time here is done. And it hurts, and we miss them, and we love them. But you're here now because God still has a plan and a purpose for you. Whether you see it or not, whether you believe it or not, God has a plan and a purpose for you. Even if your own family and friends abandon you, like David, even if my father and mother abandoned me, Lord, you would take me in. Friends, I want to encourage you. If you want to be able to rely on the Lord, start by choosing every day when you open your eyes to believe that God values you. I want to share with you a Jewish prayer. Um, and this is one that I've begun starting my mornings with again. Um, because it's just... <clears throat> well, I just think it's wonderful. I think it's beautiful. So let me um, let me open this up, and I want to share with you the morning prayer uh, because I think it's just a beautiful way to begin the day. 
I give thanks to you, Adonai, that in mercy you have restored my soul within me. Great is your faithfulness. I give thanks to you, O wonderful and merciful God, because you have restored my soul within me. Great is your faithfulness. Now, there's more to the prayer than that. But every morning to begin the day with saying, God, I thank you, O living and merciful King, because you've restored my soul within me. You've given me life one more day. You are so faithful. Wow. David chose to believe that God was for him, not against him. God is for you. God wants you to seek him and, and draw near to him. Question is, good morning, Izzy puppy. Our 95-pound great name pup just came to greet me. God loves you. God wants you to draw near to him. The question is, will you? Will you take him up on that offer? He loves you. And you, you big furball. God wants you to have a relationship with him. If you don't have one right now, if you've never sought him out, if th these aren't magic words that save you, by the way. This isn't some magic words to rescue you from the grasp of hell. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be uh, rescued from that punishment. And he wants to show you the way to the best life here on earth and eternal life in heaven. It starts with making a choice to believe that he knows the way and choosing to become a disciple, a committed follower. And I know that's not easy. There isn't much discipleship going on in the world. Some churches are awesome at it, but it seems like fewer and fewer have done that. What is discipleship? And it's becoming a committed student. How do you do that? Get in your Bible. Get, get around people who love to study God's word that are committed students too. Somebody who may be a little further down the path than you. Connect with them and say, hey, can you walk with me through this? Would you, would you disciple me? Would you, would you help me become a more committed student of Jesus? You're not trying to be this person's disciple. <laughs> you want to be a disciple of Jesus. But folks, e even if you're only a little ways down the path, there's somebody else who's just getting started that you can, you can mentor, disciple, can bring along. You can help them become a committed student. Can I encourage you to do that today? Do it for yourself. And do it for others, right? What's the most important command? Love God. Love others. Everything else. All the Torah and Nivin. All of it hangs on that. Choose God. He's already chosen you. Choose Jesus. He already chose you. That's it. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Bible Study Live. I will be jumping back on here about the same time tomorrow. So I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. If you found value in this or you think it would be an encouragement for somebody else, would you please share it with them? Uh, I would love it if you did. Also, hey, if you never got, <clears throat> if you like listening to audio, by the way, you could go to anchor.m forward slash reconstructing faith, or you can search reconstructing faith with Matt Koenig on iTunes, anywhere the good podcasts are they've allowed me to sneak in there and i exist there too so if you prefer an audio podcast i usually clip these and, and put those on there uh every now and then i record something that's just not on video and i put it on the podcast so check it out uh if you go back a few years you'll notice there's all this business stuff on there uh and and, and uh, you might go whoa 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 look at that guy like listen to the languages and listen to the way he's behaving what the heck you might go is this the same person there's a reason that i left all those old podcasts and i rebranded that rockstar unplugged podcast to this and that's because i wanted people to see what's possible when god changes your life and who you become so if you go back at more than two years you, you might want to 
not playing in the car with the kids on the way to school. I'll just tell you that much. Um, <clears throat> but I, uh, I, I want to leave it there to be transparent so you can see who, who God has been shaping me to become. Um, another thing too, listen, if you're married or you're planning on getting married, um, you may, uh, have heard that my wife and I have a book, uh, and it's called for this reason, uh, living Ephesians five marriage. We're passionate about this book. Um, we really believe that God put it on our hearts to write it as a way that can really help restore marriages. So if you haven't got a hold of it, you can go to Amazon to get it, or you can text the word love to 833-981-0002, standard messaging and data rate supply. Have to say that FCC, uh, FCC disclaimer because you might pay for your text messages. Uh, we don't charge you for the text, but your carrier might if you don't have unlimited texting. So if you text the word love to 833-981-0002, it'll automatically respond back with the Amazon link where you can buy the book. Um, but if you'd read it and leave us an honest review, we'd sure appreciate it. Uh, if I could be praying for you in any way, feel free to drop me a message on social media on whatever platform you're watching this on. Uh, and I will definitely make sure to do that. If you live in America, in the 50 nifty United States from 13 original colonies, as my elementary school song, if you live in the 50 nifty United States and you do not have a physical Bible, okay, and maybe you're watching this at a friend's house on a computer library, you stumbled across it, God put my crazy self in your path, and you're like, man, I wish I had a Bible to read. Um, if you got an address, we can send it to in the States. Uh, you can message me in social media, your name, address, and the phone number for tracking. We will not call you. We're not going to hound you, try and convert you, any weird crap like that. What we will do is love you enough to buy you a Bible and have Amazon ship it out to you. Uh, so if you need one, feel free to drop your name, address, and phone uh, in a message from whatever platform you're watching this on, and uh, we'll happily buy and mail you a Bible. We want to make committed disciples for Jesus. And uh, it's a little hard to do that if you don't have a Bible to read, right? But if you have one of these handy-dandy smartphones, you can download the Bible app, uh, um, which is awesome from version And uh, Craig Rochelle and Life Church put that together. Not the Life Church we go to here in Tennessee, but other Life Church. Um, but it is just such a fantastic app. It's got multiple translations, some cool devotionals, commentaries. I would encourage you all to check it out. Download it on the App Store, uh, Google Play, or our Apple App Store. Anyways, listen, no matter where you're at in this journey, you're just one moment away from being a more committed disciple of Jesus. So be it. Do it. Jump on it. Love you guys. Appreciate you. God bless you. May, may he bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you as you go throughout your day. See you in the morning.